Beach Buddies. We have Johanna and Dennis and Joy and Marilyn and Jesse. And thank you, Jesse, for filling in this week for uh, um, Bonnie and Jerry and our music team. Thank you so much. So welcome, everybody. We are in our last Sunday of Advent. How many of you can believe that Christmas Eve is tomorrow? Got all your stuff done, presents wrapped, all of that? No? Me neither. So let's be here now, present to this idea of joy. We began our Advent season with our uh, focus on the star, right? The light. The light that the wise men followed for two or three years in faith, that that light of that star was leading them to this sacred birthplace. And it is our reminder that we are all called to follow that inner light of, of that wisdom within us as we, too, stand in faith, walking through the darkness of whatever our journey might be. We moved on to the next week to the idea of peace. And the peace, of course, represented by the shepherds, Remember, the angels came to tell them, peace on earth, goodwill to all. And the shepherds were, were there as our reminder to guard our thoughts, our thoughts that are represented in the sheep. So we are to guide our thoughts, to, to, to guard them from any thought that is out of alignment with the truth of our faith of following that star, right? All of these ideas work together. And then last week we talked about the idea of love, right, represented in Mary. And that we each need to create within our mind, within our consciousness, a place of purity, of innocence, so that these thoughts can begin to grow from that place combined with wisdom represented by Joseph. And so here we are to joy. So this week I was reading an article online that science has now discovered the neural pathway that takes place in our brain for those people that are impacted by the uh, lessening of daylight. So some people, maybe some of you here, are impacted as the days grow shorter and the darkness grows and a feeling of, of depression, of sadness, begins to overtake us. And so I want you to hear that science has found that that is a very physiological thing that's happening inside of your brain, a chemical reaction that's taking place in there. And so on this Sunday where we're talking about joy, I'm also aware that not everybody is able to be in that place of joy, and I want to acknowledge that to begin with. Some of you here might be experiencing the loss of somebody that you've loved in your life, whether it was this year or ten years ago. Here is yet another holiday season that you are celebrating without them, and you're feeling the impact of that. You know, some of you feel the impact of not necessarily having enough funds and yet feeling the stress of having to go out and get that perfect Christmas present and do your Christmas shopping and all of those preparations. And you might feel a weight, a sense of sadness in that. You know, some of you may not be looking forward to Christmas with your family because of the different activities that happen in your conversations together. And that might be weighing on you. So I want to begin by first starting there. It is very well possible that you sitting here today are feeling less than that Christmas joy, that Advent joy that we are here to talk about today. And yet, for all of us, for you and for anyone else here in this room, there, there is an answer, if you can hear it. An answer that I don't want to just be a, a platitude of get over it, right? But a, a real 
tool that you can take with you, a teaching that you can take with you to move through this time. On Friday, we celebrated the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year. And yet, Tina, we were here on Friday night, those of you who joined us for a celebration of the winter solstice, and Tina, the head of the labyrinthine, reminded us that while we were all celebrating the winter solstice, on the other side of the earth, they were celebrating the summer solstice. You know, for us, it might be the time of great darkness. For them, it's the time of great light. It's all in our perspective, isn't it? As we watch the sun over the course of, of these last six months, you know, at the summer solstice, our, our sun was at the farthest north position that it's going to be here on the earth. And then as we have gotten to this day, the, to the winter solstice, it's now at the furthest south that it's going to be. And the days have gotten shorter for us. And the sun holds in that position for a period of two to three days. And then what we'll notice is that the sun then begins its journey back to the, the northern position again, to that summer solstice position, and our, our days begin to lengthen. But even that is an illusion because the sun really isn't moving in the sky. It's just our perspective from this position. In, in our physical universe, it appears that there can even be darkness, right? Well, Joanne, I see it. Turn off the lights. It's dark, right? So several years ago, I read this article and I shared it with my husband, Gary. I said, Gary, it's so exciting. They have discovered these little, tiny, infinitesimal particles of light called neutrinos. And these neutrinos are everywhere. They're going through our body right here, right now, even though we can't see them. And so in reality, there's no such thing as absolute darkness. And he just kind of looked at me like, what are you reading online now, right? And then, victory, because years later, the company that he was working for had some technology that is being used up at the Arctic Circle where they've actually captured these neutrinos under ice. And I got to say, see, I told you so. <laughs> right? But again, it's our, it's our reminder, right? It's only what we can perceive. It's only what we can see. And we think that's all that is real, and it's not. I'm inviting us to remember a greater story here. The light can never be overcome by the darkness. And so, 2,000 years ago, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, the angels came. And the angels spoke to the shepherds. This is from chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And the angels said unto them, Fear not! For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Let me repeat that. Which shall be to all people. Good tidings of great joy. It does not matter what the color of your skin is. It does not matter how much money is in your pocketbook. It doesn't matter which country you are from or which religion that you follow or what your sexual orientation is or any of the other number of things that we in here in physicality use to define and separate and divide in illusion, right? This is a message for all people. Take that in. This is a message for you today. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And you will find, and you will find him, oops, I'm sorry, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
message of great joy for all of us, for you and for me, not just for those shepherds in the field 2,000 years ago. And what was the message as I thought about that this week? What was the message? And, and one of the interesting things about this particular verse is the angels say that born this day in the city of David. So how many of you are aware, even in Hebrew scriptures, where is the city of David? Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of David. Well, we all know Jesus wasn't born in Jerusalem, so did the angels get it wrong? I thought about that this week. At the time uh, of Jesus, the Romans would celebrate an ancient pagan festival to the god Saturn called Saturnalia. And it took place around this same time. So many of these ancient festivals took place at this time. And this was a, a celebration to the agricultural god Saturn, you know, giving thanks and, and, and just being in joy. There would be raucous celebrations. There would be drinking and there would be dancing. And if you can imagine the Roman occupation in Jerusalem, there would have been these raucous celebrations taking place in Jerusalem in the city of David, right? Now, each of the gospel writers, when they wrote their gospels, I'm telling you, they had an agenda whether you realize it or not. And I don't think it was any mistake with the agenda of that gospel writer in Luke that they used, the angels used, that Jesus was born in the city of David, which we know was not Jerusalem, but was where? Bethlehem. And so here I'm thinking about, I was thinking about this week, how at the end of Jesus' life, remember when we celebrate Palm Sunday and we talk about how there's these contradicting processions coming into Jerusalem where the power is, where the might is, where the government is, right? And one of the processions is that power and might. Herod riding in on his big horses and the war horses all proceeding with him, showing the power and the might. And then on that same day, riding into a different area of Jerusalem was Jesus. And what was he riding in on? Just a humble donkey, right? And it was like this contrast of powers at play, right? The, the worldly power, the, the power that says that you will find joy when you have enough money, when you have enough power, when you get and accumulate. That power and might is contrasted with this power of Jesus representing the Christ coming in humbly. And I was thinking about how his birth story then started the same way, that the city of David in Jerusalem, where the raucous celebration took place, was contrasted with the city of David, where Jesus was born. It's actually Bethlehem, where King David was born. And that's why it is also known as the city of David. The city of David, Bethlehem, uh, in Hebrew, literally means house of bread. House of bread. And we all know Jesus came and he said, I am the bread of life, right? And so there's this idea that he, here he was born in the city known as the house of bread. Bread which sustains us. Bread which nourishes us. Bread which is the substance of all life. And Bethlehem is that city of bread reminds us that it is by going to that birthplace, that manger, that humble place where that Christ is born and nourishing on that, that we too will find our salvation. The angel said, 
that Christ the Lord, your Savior, has been born. Charles Fillmore tells us that the Savior is our inner capacity, our inner capacity to love and to be wise. The two powers that came together in Mary and in Joseph to to demonstrate this Christ, our love and our wisdom, and that we all have the capacity within us to demonstrate that. That's the real Savior. That's our salvation. When we take that in here at this place of pure substance, one of the meditations I read this week from Father Richard Rohr spoke about our being here on earth, that earth was soaked in God. Take that in for a moment. The earth and all of creation is soaked with God. And when we go to Bethlehem, to that house of bread, to that place, that holy, sacred place where the Christ, our salvation, the capacity that we have to love and to be wise, where we um, feast on that, then we are letting that God-soaked world be demonstrated through us. This is the great news, great joy that the angels brought forth to everyone in contrast with the worldly power. And isn't this like the same paradox that we face today? Right? Where, where we're taught, we're told, society tells us that we will find our joy, we will find our peace, we will find our love out there in the world. I don't know about you, but I've had the thought in my mind, not so much today as when my kids were younger, you know, this thought of, I don't know, have I got enough presents for them? You know, are they going to be happy? Did I do it right this year? Anybody feel that kind of Christmas pressure? Right? This idea that it's something out there that we are creating so that we can experience that love and that peace and that joy that Christmas is about. But what the great tidings of great joy was about was, no, listen, people. Here, worship it at, at the manger at that holy, sacred place where we can experience a God-soaked world. Not a fallen world, a God-soaked world. This is where we will experience our joy. This is where we will experience our joy. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's all fine and well, but have you seen the world out there? You know what's going on? The wars, the hunger, right? All of these things, the division, the politics, everything that we face. How can we say it is a God-soaked world today? Well, I'm telling you, this is the eternal human story. I wanted to share with you another reading that I came upon this week. And this was one that was written I found it, in 1513 by Brother Giovanni Giocondo, 1513, so 500 years ago. And this is what Brother Giovanni says. Oh, and he's writing to a friend of his who's a counselor. I salute you. I am your friend, and my love for you goes deep. There is nothing I can give you which you have not. But there is much, very much, that while I cannot give it, you can take. No heaven can come to us unless our hearts find rest in it today. Take heaven. 
No peace lies in the future, which is not hidden in this present little instant. Take peace. The gloom of the world is but a shadow. Behind it, yet within our reach, is joy. There is radiance and glory in the darkness. Could we but see it? And to see, we have only to look. I beseech you to look. Life is so generous a giver. But we, judging its gifts by their covering, cast them away as ugly or heavy or hard. Remove the covering and you will find beneath it a living splendor woven of love by wisdom with power. Welcome it. Grasp it. And you touch the angel's hand that brings it to you. Everything we call a trial, a sorrow, or a duty, believe me, that angel's hand is there. The gift is there. And the wonder of an overshadowing presence, your joys too. Be not content with them as joys. They too conceal divine gifts. Life is so full of meaning and purpose, so full of beauty beneath its covering, that you will find earth but cloaks your heaven. Courage then to claim it. That is all the courage you have. And the knowledge that we are pilgrims together, wending through unknown country homes. Claim heaven. Take peace. Know your courage. This was written... Christmas Eve, 1513, and contains a timeless message for us today. Take heart that the darkness can never overcome the light because the darkness is just an illusion. Show up. Claim that Christ that you are. The angels told the shepherd that there in Bethlehem, in the city of David, they would find their sign. And what was their sign? But a baby in a manger. Not a great king. Right? The, in, in Hebrew uh, scriptures, the anointed, the Christ, were the kings. They were the anointed ones of God. King David from the city of David, he was anointed by God. He was anointed as, as that Christ in those times, right? But what we're told here is it's not a great king anymore. It's not just those great leaders. It is each and every one of us that have come into this world as this sweet, innocent baby. And that's all of you. That's all of us. Here's the great news. We don't have to wait for some Savior out there anymore. It's inside of us. Claim it. Claim heaven. Claim peace. Claim love. Claim light. Claim life. Claim joy. This is our message. No less of a message today than it was 2,000 years ago, than it was 500 years ago, than it will likely be 500 years from now. One of the things that I've been reading is the book, um, The Book of Joy, that was about a conversation between the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And I wanted to share with you for those who might be wondering, great, how do we claim it? What does this look like? Give me an answer. This is what Desmond Tutu has to say. I address the next question to the Archbishop. The joy that you are talking about is not just a feeling, it's not just a feeling. 
We know that feeling, right? It comes and it goes. We feel it momentarily when a gift comes that we love, and then within hours, days, weeks, we no longer feel that joy about that anymore. So the joy that you are talking about is not a feeling. It's not something that just comes and goes. It's something much more profound. And it sounds like what you're saying is that joy is a way of approaching the world. Many people are waiting for happiness or joy. When they get a job, when they fall in love, when they get rich, then they'll be happy, then there will be joy. But you, you are talking about something that is available right now without waiting. The archbishop considered his response carefully. I mean, simply to say that ultimately our greatest joy is when we seek to do good for others. Was it really that straightforward? Did we just need to stimulate and satisfy our dedicated brain circuit of generosity as if anticipating my skepticism, the archbishop continued? It's how we're made. I mean, we're wired to be compassionate. Quite literally wired, I thought. And this is what science has proven to us. We are wired for compassion. And if you and I want to experience that joy that is not surface happiness about stuff out there, but is a deep and abiding joy that the angels came to sing to us, that joy is found when we reach out and touch one another, literally with the activity of our lives. When we forgive one another, when we extend a hand to one another, I don't know about you, but I get such joy out of this loving tree up here that is filled with your generosity as you've brought in. This is only a small representation of what we have that's sitting out on those shelves. And this week, I had so much fun. Somebody had brought in like 30 of these scarves, and I said, what perfect, um, uh, what's that called that you put around? Thank you. Garland. What perfect garland. And I had fun hanging that garland up on the tree this week. That's our representation. You know, this is where we get our joy when we reach out and we touch one another and we care about one another and we love one another. This is what the Christ is about. Jody Soland, who so many of you know her, shared on Facebook, so I think it's okay that I share it because it was out there in public. She goes around to the hospitals and sings wherever she feels called to go into a hospital room. She'll go into that room and she'll sing. And she went into a room this last weekend and an elderly woman was in there who was very sad, very um, dark from this holiday time because she had no family left. She had nobody left to spend the holidays with. And so Jody sang to her. She sang to her songs of love and joy and peace. And after she sang those songs, uh, she was encouraging this woman that you could spend holidays with someone, right? And the woman shared, yeah, people invite me, but I always say no. How many of us do that, right? We turn down our good. And so when Jody finished singing her songs, the woman said, will you stay here for just a moment? And Jody said, sure. And the woman got on the phone and called one of her neighbors and said, does the offer still stand? I'd like to come spend Christmas with you. Right? That, the joy of Christmas, the joy of connecting, the joy of being that Christ, not just potentially, but in the fullness of the capacity that we have to be the light of the world ourselves. That's the Christmas message. That's where we'll find our joy. That's what we need to practice. How many of you need to practice? Yeah? Well, I have good news of great joy. 
if you simply pull out your bulletin, we have our practice for the week, right? Pay attention to the times that you begin to move from your place of joy, recognizing that joy, the joy that we're talking about, that profound sense of joy, is not something that we move into and out of. It's always there, waiting for us to breathe into. So when you find that you've moved off of it again, make a conscious choice to take a breath and to affirm, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I am God's joy. You affirm that with me right now. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I am joy. Joy, right. Let's say that again. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I am God's joy. And recognizing that not everybody might be there, let's remind one another. Turn to somebody that you're sitting by and tell them, you, right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's say it together. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You are God's joy. And did you notice what happened in that? Did you find a smile? Right in that moment of connection, there was, there was joy that was being experienced together here. It's reaching out. It's touching one another. It's not isolating ourselves. It's making the choice to show up and be love, light, wisdom, forgiveness, grace in each moment. And then, of course, we have to do what? Repeat as often as necessary. Right? Repeat as often as necessary. So I want to end with one more reading. This one coming from Hafez. And this is called Tripping Over Joy. What is the difference between your experience of existence and that of a saint? The saint knows that the spiritual path is a sublime chess game with God, and that the Beloved has made such a fantastic move that the saint is now continually tripping over joy and bursting out in laughter and saying, I surrender. Whereas you, my dear, I'm afraid you still think that you have a thousand serious needs. Over joy today, this week, this year, let's allow ourselves to be that power and presence of joy by loving, connecting, and blessing one another. Thank you. God bless.
Thank you for joyous music.